We won't tell, you know, the 11 o'clock people, but there's something about that, right? Jesus got up early in the morning and all that stuff. Um, we're glad to have you here and, and uh, excited for what God is doing uh, in our church uh, and in your lives. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds us, this is a little bit more of the feel of when, actually a little bigger, but closer to the feel of when we started here uh, at the synagogue, at what is now our home. Um, it was a little smaller, a little bit closer, a little bit more room. And you kind of like, you know what? This is a big church. There, this, is a, this, kind of, this place has a lot of space. It hasn't felt like that for a while, but all of a sudden it's like we got room. And so this is kind of cool. You know, there's places to park. You know, there, there's room in the, in the rooms. There's seats to sit in. So uh, we're thankful for God's leading in this and uh, the opportunity for each of us to share uh, what God is doing. And we've got ways coming up for us to be able to share. We've got bumper stickers and window decals for your cars. We've got t-shirts that, that you can buy and wear and, and spread the news. Um, lots of opportunities for us to share what God is doing here uh, in a way that maybe would change somebody's eternity uh, and or give them the opportunity to know Christ better. So really, really cool stuff. If you're here today and you're a guest, special welcome to you. Uh, the one thing that I would ask you to do is if you would get a blue visitor card, hopefully you already have one, but if you would fill that out for us, drop that in our offering uh, or get that back to me uh, after the service. Love a chance to, uh, to minister to you, to meet your need there um, and, and find out if there's some way we could be praying for you or, or some way we could be of help to you in your walk. All right, so John 14 is where we're going to be today. So if you want to take your Bible and go to John 14, we're going to finish out this chapter um, in the discourse that Jesus is having with his disciples. So John chapter 14, we're going to start at verse 25, and we'll go down eventually through the rest of the chapter. And, and what I want to start off with today is this. I, I know that there are two things, at least there's lots of things, but there are at least two things that are on my mind today that are, that are connected with what we're going to talk about that are universally desired. Every single person at some point in their life wants these two things. At some point in your life, first of all, you figured out that you don't know everything. For some of you, that, that point hasn't come yet. But <laughs> You are not the ultimate source of truth. You are not omniscient. You can't see everything on the road. And you've learned probably by making choices that you thought were good choices, right choices, only to find that life caved in on you. And there were real and painful consequences from those choices. And so you wind up at a spot where you're faced with a choice and now you have this background, this, this awareness of reality and you know what's at stake and you have this choice and may, maybe it's a bunch of choices in front of you. And, and I've heard this over and over again by people at that moment in their lives where they know this could turn out really bad if I make the wrong choice and I don't want to make the wrong choice. I just wish I knew what I should do. I just wish I knew what I should do. Where, is there some way for someone to tell me what I should do? And that desperation gets so big and so loud that there are times where people actually even come and ask me what they should do. They're like, Mark, tell me what I should do. And I'm like, who do you think I am? I'm not God. So we look for some, somewhere along the, the, the path in your life you will be looking for and desiring guidance sooner or later. Maybe there was a time that you were so sure of yourself that you didn't think you needed any input, but someday you'll know that you do. Second thing that I believe every single person at one point in their life comes to want, no matter how strong you are, no matter how right you are, no matter how many times things go the way that you wish they would go, 
there will come a moment in your life where you feel like life is too heavy for you. And you will be looking for some way to lighten the load. Somewhere along the path, it will come a time where you are desperate for relief. There may be many times in your life where you felt fully capable of carrying your responsibilities and the burdens. And and there may be times again in the future where you feel like you've got it all figured out. But everyone finds themselves feeling desperately in need of some rest. Certainly physical rest. And next week, by the way, which is set your clocks ahead an hour. Yeah. I told some of the greeters this morning that next week I will be doing juggling with fire lit juggling things so that I keep you all awake because, you know, you lose an hour of sleep. So there are times where we're talking about you need rest and you're aware of your need for rest. And what we're just talking about is physical rest. But that's not what this is about. This is about rest where your soul is in turmoil, where you are heavy, you're feeling crushed, and you just want Rest in your soul. Jesus uses another term for that. He uses the word peace. We want peace. And so needing guidance, needing peace, doesn't make you a loser. Doesn't make you weak. Doesn't make you defective. Every single one of us will find ourselves in need of guidance and peace. And what Jesus says to his disciples today is that you can have both of them, that you can have both of them today. He talks with his disciples at the Last Supper, and he lets them in on the secret of how to have guidance and peace when you need them. So if you're desperately in need of them, one or the other or both, Jesus has something to say to you in these words. And if you're not desperately in need of either of them today, file this away because inevitably there will come a day where you'll need guidance and peace. And so start with me at verse 25, just verse 25 and 26. We're going to talk about Jesus' promise of guidance in your life. Verse 25, Jesus replied, or excuse me, Jesus replied, uh, I'm back up at 23. Let me get down to 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He just talked about how if you love me, it will drive what you do. Love does. Love does certain things. And we talked about that last week. And then Jesus comes to this. And as he kind of finishes out this thought, before he gets to what we're going to talk about next week, where I'm the vine and you are the branches, this is where he talks about the opportunity we have to be guided in life. His disciples, he's just told them, I'm going to be gone from you. You're going to feel at a loss. You're going to feel totally confused tonight. In, in, in very short order, the disciples are going to be scattered, full of fear, running for their lives. Jesus says to them, I have an amazing answer for the times in your life where you are confused, you are clouded, you feel the lostness in your soul. And that offer extends to every believer. So let's take a look at it. In order to understand what Jesus says here, you need to understand some things about God. Notice what he says. When he talks about the counselor, the Holy Spirit, in verse 26, he says, whom the Father will send in my name and will teach you all things and remind you everything I have said to you. Jesus talks about three people in that verse. 
Three separate yet unified people. We call that, doctrinally, we call that the Trinity. That God is three in one. And you see it right here. There are people who will tell you, they'll show up knocking at your door, there is no such thing as a Trinity. God is one, which is exactly true. God is one. But the Bible does teach that God is also three. Now, how is that? Don't know. Can't explain it to you because I'm not God. I know that we can see examples of it in life. You know, I'm body, soul, and spirit. And there are things like that that you can kind of like, but the reality is right here, you see Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. You see him speaking about the Father and you see him speaking about himself, I, me. And so while there's no way to fully explain that truth, it is very clear and it is something that you can receive by faith that God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Somehow, they are three persons with three roles in relating to humanity and yet completely unified and one in nature. And so Jesus is talking about this, the way that the the Godhead is going to work on behalf of the disciples. And what he says is, when I go back to the Father, the Holy Spirit will come to you. And he will come to you, hopefully if you were here last week, you remember this, he will come to you in my name. Remember we talked about in my name last week? Which is not the open sesame, God, do what I want you to do, magic formula. In my name is on my behalf, in my place, for my cause, in my name. And so the Holy Spirit is going to come in the name of Jesus, for the cause of Jesus, in the place, for the disciples, in the place of Jesus doing the things that Jesus had done for them. Because the disciples have been following Jesus. And their leader is saying, I'm going to go and you can't follow me anymore. And so they're like, well, now what do we do? And he says, don't worry. You will not be left wandering and lost. I will send someone to you who will take my place there, who will teach you and remind you. He will, in, in some ways, teach you and remind you about the things Jesus said because the disciples are going to be tasked with passing on the story of Jesus. You know, the Apostle John here is writing down the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus. He's probably writing them down like 60 years later. Does anybody remember what happened 60 years ago in your life? You know, it's like it's kind of faded back there, you know? So what he says is, I will have the Holy Spirit in you to teach you, to remind you to instruct you about what what you should write down, what you should remember that I said. This is the idea of inspiration, that the Holy Spirit would move the people who wrote the Scriptures so that we could know that the Scriptures are the Word of God and not the Word of man. Okay, so there's some of that in there. But there is a ministry of the Holy Spirit to you and I, even though you and I aren't writing Scripture, there is still a ministry of teaching and reminding to each one of us. The Holy Spirit is given to us. We know there's many passages in the New Testament, Ephesians 1, where the Spirit comes, the Spirit is given to us when we believe. And so if you're a child of God, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've received forgiveness of sins through His death on the cross and new life through His resurrection, if that's you, then God says His Holy Spirit is in you. And His Holy Spirit is in you to do these things. His Holy Holy Spirit is in you to teach and to remind. So teach. He teaches you the truth. The truth. Now, if you were left on your own to try to figure out the truth, how would you do? What do you do with the truth when you have it? 
Is it always just the truth, simple truth, plain truth, the truth speaks for itself? Or is it the truth serves my purpose? The truth is bent to my perspective. You know, do you selectively remember what was said and what was done, editing out the parts that make you look bad and remembering the parts that go towards your argument? Nobody does that. You guys don't even want to admit it. Okay, thank you, Larry. Like that's when we're left in charge of the truth, the truth becomes very malleable. It becomes very relative. It becomes very whatever we want it to be. So we need a guide who is non-negotiable with the truth, who will come and teach us the truth because this is what it is. And so the spirit inside of us is the truth. And And what you find by this guide is that he's relentless with the truth. You have an argument inside of you with him because he keeps coming back and saying, but that's not right. And you're like, well, I don't know what else I should do. Right? It's the truth. And so the light of truth is shining inside of you because the Holy Spirit is in you. We need the Spirit to teach us the truth, to present it, to clarify it, to hold it steady so that it's not moving. In this way, the Spirit guides us, showing us the truth when we would have no shot or no desire to find it on our own. So you have guidance because you have the Holy Spirit. The other ministry is to remind us. And I would say this, and I I said this Wednesday night, I think this is really, really true. Much of the progress you make as a believer comes from being reminded of what you already know. It's not so much that you come to church and every single week is like, what? God created the world? You know, we don't like learn a lot of new, new concepts all the time. There's new insights and all that stuff. But everything I tell you today, you probably already know for the most part. But the Spirit also has a ministry of reminding you. Because we conveniently forget. You know, we like to, ah, I thought I was going to remember that, but then, you know, I didn't really want to. And so it slides off. And so his, his work is reminding you. Maybe... He needs to remind you because what happens is God worked in your heart and worked in your soul and convinced you of something. You made a decision and you made a choice and you knew for sure this was God's work. And then life started bubbling up and there was this storm and you started to doubt what you knew. Has that ever happened? And the Holy Spirit is there to remind you of when you knew for sure. Maybe you're someone who's like, you know, I thought I received Christ, but right now I just don't feel very much like God's child. And the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, yeah, but don't you remember? Remember when you put your life in his hands? Remember when you just gave, you were just so surrendered? Remember that? And he comes and reminds you. I don't know if this is the right decision. And he says, right now, you can't act on doubt. There's nothing to doubt. It's just shadows. Go back to where I made it sure for you. I had a pastor when I was in college say to me, never undo in a moment of doubt what God has established in a moment of certainty. And I think that is a really wise course of action because we are so reactive to our doubts, we never doubt our doubts We only doubt what we were sure about, what God has done. And sometimes the Spirit's best and strongest ministry in guiding is to remind us of what we've already learned. And so what Jesus is describing here for the disciples and for us is that there is this ministry of the Spirit who's alive in us and it kind of is like a conversation within. Are you having that conversation? 
Is that alive in you? Is the Spirit talking with you, reminding you, teaching you day by day? Do you know His voice? Do you know how to recognize His voice? I was talking with somebody this week and I was saying, you know, there are voices that come at you in your, in your mind, in your soul, and they say, who do you think you are? Don't you remember what you did? How can you even be a child of God? There are voices like that. And they're, you know, they sound righteous and all that, so you're kind of like, well, that, that must be true. Maybe that's God. Maybe God's trying to tell me I'm not his child. Do you know how to tell whether that's God or not? Do you know how to recognize the voice of the Spirit? Because sometimes the reason we're like, I wish I knew what to do, somebody tell me what to do, is because we don't know how to tune into the guidance that we have as believers by the Holy Spirit. So let me just ask you this. Do you believe that God knows the way you should go? That's a big question. Do you believe God knows the way you should go? Do you believe God has a plan for you that God will make the right decision? He will lead you in the right way. If, if God, does God know the right way for you? Second question. Do you believe God cares that you know the right way? That's another question. Or do you think God is up there going, now I know what you should do, but I'm going to see if you can figure it out. Is that what he did with our salvation? I know you guys are lost and I hope you come to your senses and figure it out someday, but we'll see. No, he came down and rescued us, right? So do you believe not only does God know what you should do and God want you to know, but that God is able to show you and willing to show you, passionate to show you. And so God is at work revealing through the Spirit. It is this promise of divine guidance. It is why Jesus gives him the title, the Counselor. The one who is, the the literal translation, the one called alongside to help. The one who will walk the journey with you, leading, instructing, teaching. And we're going to come back to the Holy Spirit's ministry as we get into uh, chapter 15 in a few weeks. But that's the idea. There is a source of guidance that, that is living inside of you called the Holy Spirit. Do you know how to hear Him? Are you listening to Him? So if that's true... Why do believers struggle to know what to do? If it's true, why is it hard? Why are we confused? Why does it get cloudy at times? Well, the problem is not that it's not available, that guidance isn't available for us. The problem is what it costs to get the guidance. Here's what it costs. You have to embrace that you don't know the best way. That you should not have a voice in the discussion about the best way that you have to give up on your way. Now you're open for guidance. Because God does not work like, I'll be one of the menu items. And you'd say, well, what's your way, God? Tell me your plan. Okay. And then you're like, well, what's my way? And, and what does everybody else think? And you've got this whole menu and you're like, now which one do I like? I like, well, I like my way. I'm going to pick my way. God doesn't work like that. This is the way God works. I've got guidance for you. Will you receive it? Will you follow it? Well, I don't know. Tell me what it is. Well, I'm not going to tell you until you're ready to follow it. That's, that's the guidance. And the, 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 the reason we get confused is because we are not ready to give up on us. We still think we've got something in us that is, is smart and right, and, and we know that what we can do will bring our desires to pass, and that's the hope for our life. 
But I will tell you, not only do you miss out on guidance, you miss out on what Jesus talks about next. So go with me to verse 27. And this is amazing how it's connected to the guidance of the Spirit. That he, the counselor will come, the Holy Spirit. He will teach you things. He will remind you things. And now verse 27 says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If we will choose to let the the, the counselor, the spirit, guide us, then there is a byproduct of that. There is something else that we get. And Jesus says, it's peace. I leave peace with you. I'm going and your peace has been in me, rightfully so, but it's not going to go away when I go away because I'm going to leave my peace with you. The peace that I have is going to be given to you. Think about the peace that Jesus has. Jesus has just discussed what's coming. He's just dismissed a disciple who will betray him. He's talking about dying and about suffering. When Jesus talked about peace, is Jesus talking about the peace the way that you and I expect for our lives to be peaceful? I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to be beaten beyond recognition as a human being. Now, the peace that I have that will carry me through that, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to leave it with you. This is not a conditional promise. This is not a, uh, if you do enough good things. If it, this is a, I'm giving it to you as a gift. Do we have that kind of peace that doesn't depend on what's happening? That doesn't depend on what people think of us. Peace that's not dependent on how comfortable I am. Peace that isn't dependent on how much I have. Peace not dependent on my level of control. Our challenge verse last month really kind of described this. It was like, I'm in, when I'm hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. And then it says this, what can man do to me? There's answers to that. What did man do to Jesus? There's answers to that. But the exclamation of the, the, the psalmist is, essentially, it pales in comparison. Why? Because of my great God. The reality for us as believers is that we don't believe that when we live without the peace that's been given to us. This peace, Jesus says, is given to those who are guided and taught by the Spirit. In one sense, and probably the biggest practical application, peace comes from who you trust. Do you trust you? Do you trust your money? Do you trust your job? Do you trust your family? Or do you trust God? Peace is a fruit of who you trust. If life's burdens are yours to figure out, If the result and the end is all up to you, you will never really have peace. You know why? Because the task is too big for your ability. You can't guarantee the outcome. So what you need to do if you want a peace that goes beyond all of the circumstances, that goes beyond what you're currently experiencing, if you want that kind of peace, you've got to find somebody for whom your circumstances are not limiting. Someone who can take bad and make it good. Someone who can take darkness 
and turn it into light. Someone who can take a dead and raise it to life. That's what you need. And so who will guide you? Who has the burdens of your life? If it's true, what Jesus says, that God himself lives inside of me in the person of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit's role, in part, is to guide me, and I will follow him, believing that he is God, that he is good, that he is righteous and faithful, then peace is the natural byproduct of a life that is following the guide, the counsel I've been given. Do you see that? What does this peace look like? Jesus says, it looks like the peace I have. But he also says, it looks not like something. It's not like the world gives. Peace is not like the world gives. So how does the world seek peace? Think about that with me. How does the world seek after peace? How does the world offer peace to you? What, what do things do they say will give you a break, will, will make your life calm down? Jesus says, the peace I give you is not going to be like the world gives you. It's going to be in a different mode, which means that the peace he's giving is not peace that comes through power. Jesus' peace did not come through his power. He laid his power aside. Power, the world tells you, if you can be in control, if you can have what you want and avoid what you don't want, then you'll be at peace. Jesus says, I don't give peace like that. Jesus says, I don't give peace through planning. The world says, if you can know what's coming and you can know that you're ready for it and you've got everything worked out and you know how to deal with it, then you can, I can be at peace. Peace through planning. Jesus says, I'm not giving you peace like the world gives. I'm not giving you peace through ignorance that you don't know what's coming. Whether you, you've chosen ignorance, you, you, I'm going to ignore this, or, or whether you just don't know stuff. And so you have peace even though you're in danger. It's not peace like that. Not peace through ignorance. It's not peace through pretending. Let's just imagine and pretend everything's okay. It's not peace through pleasure. I like how this feels, and so it brings peace. It's not peace through safety. I feel safe. Or security. I know what's coming. I know I'm okay. I know I'm taken care of. It's not peace through relationship. I know who likes me. I have somebody I belong to. It's not peace through comfort. I think that this makes me comfortable. Those are the ways that the world pursues peace. That is not the peace Jesus offers you. The problem for Christians is that we want a peace that the world gives and we want Jesus to give it to us. But Jesus said, I'm not going to give you peace that the world gives. And so your circumstances that you look at and you go, if you could just calm this down, then you would have given me peace, Jesus. And Jesus says, I don't give you peace like that. I give you my peace, not like the world. Are you ready to get peace that Jesus gives? This peace is not a package that you receive and then walk off with. He gives it to you. Thank you very much, Jesus. And then you walk away with it. It is not a cash prize, so to speak, that we stick in our emotional wallet and, and pull it out and use it whenever we need it. I'm, I'm all prepared because I've got peace. Jesus has given me peace. It is not that. Peace here is described as a product of the connection with God himself. The Spirit in us, guiding us, brings peace. And by the way, this is not the only place that's the description. 
If you go to Galatians 5 and talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the idea of living in the Spirit, produces love, joy, peace. Right? That, that they, they, the reality is this is over and over again. In Philippians, Paul describes a process that brings peace that goes beyond understanding. And he says in chapter 4, it is the peace of God and it will rule in your hearts. He starts the verse before by saying, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, give thanks. Taking your requests to God. Who's carrying the weight there? It's about trust, isn't it? So peace is a byproduct of a meaningful and living connection with God through Jesus by means of the Holy Spirit living in us. And by the way, the verses that follow this this stuff we're talking today, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Connection, a living, life-giving connection. It is interesting that at the end of this verse, Jesus mentions troubled hearts and fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. See, we think, like people think, that Jesus is saying what you need to do to get peace is get rid of fear and get rid of trouble in your hearts and then you'll be able to get peace. Right? Oh, oh, I get it. So if I won't be afraid and I don't let my heart be troubled, then I'll get peace. Exactly the opposite of what he said. Because I've given you peace, you have no reason to let your heart be troubled and you have no reason to be afraid. That's what he says. The peace is the answer to troubled heart. The, the, the peace is not the result of avoiding a troubled heart. The peace is what drives a troubled heart away. It isn't that fear isn't there. You know, we saw in, in Jesus' life, we saw his heart troubled at times. There are certainly things in our life that make us afraid. But Jesus says he gives us peace so that we are enabled not to live in those things. Letting those things drive your life, letting those things, troubled hearts and fear, fill your mind. They they begin to drive your choices, your attitude, your view of yourself, your view of others is needless. That, That choice is needless for any believer because you have the counselor. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He will guide you, and Jesus has given you peace. So why do we live without the peace that we've been given? Well, very simple truth, and we want to finish with this. The the rest of this chapter, 28 to 31, Jesus talks about the power of trust. The reason we live without peace is the same reason we live without guidance. It's because we choose not to trust. Verse 28, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father and the, because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak to you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. The truth is we live without peace and we live without guidance because we trust something to tell us the truth more than God. We trust our circumstances to tell us the truth more than God. We trust our feelings to tell us the truth more than God. We trust our paycheck to tell us the truth more than God. We trust our accolades, our accomplishments, our group of friends. Whatever it is, we trust something to tell us the truth more than we trust God. The power of trust. So do you live with anxiety? Do you live with worry? 
The real battle is whether you believe that, that your worry and your anxiety tells you the truth or not. I'm not saying there aren't people who have panic attacks. Uh, you know, that, that's a normal, there, there's a reality in life there. The question is this, are you going to live guided by your panic attack? I'm not saying there's not physical fallout you have to deal with. There is. But what's running your life? Where's your trust? Where, who do you have hope in? That will determine whether you are living with peace and guidance. In the next sentence is what Jesus says. It all comes down to trust. He said, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you loved me, you would be glad. What? I'm leaving you. You're all going to be totally lost and confused tonight. And if you loved me, you'd be glad. Why? What he's saying is, because you would believe that what I told you is true. Remember at the beginning of the chapter? I'm going away, but I'm coming back. And then we'll be together forever. And nothing will ever separate us. And it will be so much better than this. So the disciples have a choice of zeroing in on what's happening right now, of believing that, that their eyes and their experiences and their ears and, and what they're seeing happen and what they understand about what's happening, about Jesus dying, if that's telling them the truth, or if Jesus' words are telling them the truth. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again. Who do they trust? It's the power of trust. The peace that Jesus offers them, the peace that Jesus gives them is peace that they will experience if they believe what he says. And that's what he says in the next verse. I'm telling you now, so then what happens, you will believe. You will trust. That's the object. That's why I'm having this conversation with you, so that you will trust me in the middle of trouble. And he closes that whole, whole discussion there. What he says at the end of that, I'm not going to speak with you much longer because the prince of the world is coming, but he has no hold on me. Think about that description about what's coming, about what's happening. The prince of the world is coming. He's speaking about Satan. He's on his way. He's going to rule the day, but he's going to lose the forever. What will you believe while he's winning the day? The prince of the world is coming, but he has no hold on me. What it looks like tomorrow is not what it is. Because the word of God says different. Are we able, are we ready to believe that what it looks like isn't what it is? Are we prepared to have trust like that? That's the kind of trust you're invited to. And if you do, if you trust that God is bigger than what you see, what you feel, what you understand, He offers you peace through the Holy Spirit. He offers you guidance through the Holy Spirit. But the choice of trust is up to you. And so we're going to close with a song today that kind of brings it back to that opportunity to just invite the Spirit, to, to take the burdens that you have and give them to Him. Peter tells us, cast your care on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. I know this, you won't cast your care on Him if you don't believe He cares for you. If you think He's just going to let them fall and they're just going to fall back on you, what's the point? In the end, it's a question of trust. Do you trust Him? And do you trust Him in measure to abandon every other hope? to go all out on God's counselor in you? Do you know how to listen to the counselor? When the Spirit is speaking to you, do you know how to hear Him 
If not, that's something that you need to put some attention towards because you need to understand when the Spirit is speaking and how the Spirit is guiding you. You need to get tuned in to what the Spirit has to say to you so that you will never be without guidance. Maybe the problem for you this morning is that He isn't in you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have the Holy Spirit because you've never received Jesus. This is a moment where Jesus is offering you what He said He would give to His disciples. The Holy Spirit in you to teach you, to guide you. Peace like Jesus had. Not peace like the world gives. Peace like Jesus had. But the question is to you, will you trust? Will you receive? Will you believe? Maybe the problem for you is you're already a believer. You've already done that. But you don't own the peace he gives. You turn away from it. You you keep looking for peace the way the world offers it. What you can get on your own. And in doing that, you're really turning your back on the counselor that he sent, that the Father sent to teach you, to guide you, to bring you peace. Today, my prayer for you is that you will live in the peace that Jesus gives.
Let's stand together, close in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, the promise that Jesus made to his disciples about guidance and peace is the birthright of every believer. Father, may we live in it. I pray that the things that you have spoken this morning through your word to each of our hearts, that you would cement them, that we would be that you would remind us of them, that we would be held to them as we go from this place, that they would be alive in us, that peace that goes beyond understanding would come as we put our faith and our hope completely in you. Father, do that work in your people, we pray, as we go from this place. In the name of Jesus, amen.